You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Minnesota Vikings fans, welcome back to the Purple People Eaters podcast. And we're here to talk about, obviously, a comeback victory when it looked like it was rough after back-to-back fumble touchdowns by the same freaking guy. Vikings pull it out 28-27. to He's Aaron. I'm Chris and we're here to discuss the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, what else? We had a wild-ass day. This season for the Vikings 2020 has just been all over the place. There's six games that have come within eight points, and I think three of them maybe now, one point. It's just unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, six or seven of the games have just been out of this world. So it was nice to actually get a W. In one of these close games, we've only gotten another one-point win, I think, this year. So we've had some heartbreaks. And it's funny because we had this, um, you know, this totally legit what's up with the last part of the game. The last few years, comebacks in general. We went over the stat comebacks under Zimmer in general. Um, And sure enough, finally, finally, they answered the bell. Ask and you shall receive. We ended up getting it done. Um, a lot of things, though, you know, you hate it's not a blame the ref stuff. Obviously, the vice got the W, but I mean, there's some calls where you're like, seriously? And, you know, Jonathan Vilma loved him as a player. But wow, um, some of the things just from the jump, it was like, what are you talking about? But um, I mean, a field goal didn't go through the uprights. I mean, am I crazy? I don't think we're all crazy. I mean, you know, relatively speaking, but we're going to break down this victory here for the Vikings. The the great, the good, the bad and the ugly. It kind of had all of it. I mean, really, it, it, it kind of went all through that. Of course, once we're done recapping uh, this win, which puts us at what, five and six on the season with five games left. Knock on wood that we actually get through this damn thing without having to postpone a game or or whatever like they're doing with this Pittsburgh Baltimore. It does kind of feel like more and more every week. We were just talking about uh, off air that they may have to uh, add that eighth team and you know who would fit nice in that eighth spot. I won't even say it. I won't even say it. Um, then, of course, we're going to look towards next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Can we deliver a win one way or another next week instead of dropping the ball after a great win? That's another, uh, you know, Vikings thing in general, but especially this season. Um, so we'll get to it in just a moment. If this is your first time listening to this year Vikings podcast, the Purple People Eaters podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropadope Radio. Um, you know, you can listen to it at Blog Talk if you like. Um, you can also find it, you know, a variety of places. But, you know, you don't have to just go to Blog Talk, download the show there. You can find uh, the Ropadope Radio podcast at Apple Podcast. 
on iHeartRadio, Player FM, tune in. You can also uh, find us. We're part of the, the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network, um, which is pretty much everywhere, including Spotify. Where you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. It's football, it's basketball, it's boxing, it's baseball, it's everything in between. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord, or maybe you have, you're not quite happy. I got something for you. It's called AT&T TV Now. It's live streaming cable. There's a seven-day free trial. There's no annual contracts, of course. You can uh, the, the plans start as low as $55 a month. You can stream it anywhere. We have the cloud DVR as well. And right now, just for signing up, you get a 30-day free trial of HBO Max. And one more layer, then we'll get this puppy going. Um, there is a layer if you buy the Max package, the upgraded package, you already have HBO Max, plus a free month of showtime um that's at&t tv now live streaming cable okay i'm gonna go ahead and bring in my co-host uh aaron here and we're actually i'd like to i mean obviously we're gonna talk vikings but we also uh are recently launching here another platform where you can um you know listen to the whole living in loserville podcast whether it's Vikings, Gophers football and basketball, Timberwolves, and everything in between, whether it has to do with, you know, anything Minnesota-related. Let's talk a little bit about that at the top of the show, sir. Uh, yeah, so we just opened up, like you said, another avenue of uh, being able to check out the show uh, under the Living in L- Loserville uh, title. And uh, we'll have – Definitely some of these shows will make it on there. Any auxiliary shows, like uh, if we want to do something with the draft or uh, any uh, you know big topics that might come up, we'll go ahead and run a, a podcast off of that show. I might do some by myself, some with Chris, and then obviously we'll have the content that we do normally uh, can be on that as well. So it's not like a way to maybe spread out to more listeners and uh, maybe make it convenient, more convenient for some to uh, get the show quicker and uh, better quality or at least – Equal quality. Vikings get the W. You know, we, we mentioned that last week. We went over it. We're trying to break it down. What goes wrong at the end of the games? We can point to a couple games this year. We can point to the that 26-23. to 23. I think that was the score, maybe 26-20. I can't remember to the Chiefs last year on the road when we had a chance to win it. And finally... Finally, Aaron, we finally had one. We actually, like I said, did the little research under Zimmer in general, just being down, say, nine or ten points. And that was pretty disheartening. Um, Finally, everything came together. Kirk, the line gave him enough. Really, the whole fourth quarter, Kirk and the line played great. We spread the ball with no feeling, obviously. That was another thing we, we were talking about. Well, is Teddy going to play? Is, is the back going to play for them? And, and sure enough, Thielen doesn't play. We, we think we're going to get him back. Um, but we finally got it done. Maybe we, if there's other problems, we should do special segments, and maybe the next game we'll see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said at the top of the show, we were really uh, starting to, to lay out last week the problems we were having, particularly at the end of games offensively. Um, and some of the stats were pretty alarming. And then we go ahead this week, get down in that same situation. You're, oh, no, here we go again. And 
a much different outcome. Now, I, my criticism was we left a little too much time on the clock, but that's a small plate as far as uh, getting the win goes. You still want the offense to do their part, get down the field and score, and that's exactly what they did. Found a way, didn't you? You found a way. We're just trying to be positive here. Now, finally, though, finally, that they actually did something at the end there. And the defense came up with a stop, really, to stop them, even though they gave up a big play. Hey, they stopped them and made a long field goal. Um, just breaking down this game like we do per usual. Um, <laughs> Vilma right out the gate. Actually, Aaron said this before we went on, that he even got like a – he said a player of a name that was not on either roster. <laughs> um, there was a, a penalty that he was talking about on the punt where, well, you know, 10, 20 years ago, whatever he said, you could get away with that. It's like, well, now you've been it's been a while longer than that there, Vilma. There was that penalty, that personal fall or whatever. But, um, you know, we got the ball right away. This is something we've been doing early, um, scoring touchdowns early. And then sometimes we have some issues and then late, like we talked about. And that's been ongoingly. But 13 play drive, 68 uh, yards, 738 on the clock. Um, there was a really nice little scramble on third and eight uh, to Jefferson for a first down. Cook had a nice screen pass and a couple nice runs. We kind of ran decent early, then kind of got shut down. Once again, the third week in a row, some nice runs down the stretch, though. Um, helped us but um you know 7-0 it's like okay we got down there both teams uh punted uh bisbee on our i think it was like a a three and out our three and out maybe could have got probably could have got a first down but he ran a little short of the sticks then they put together a nice drive 11 plays 53 excuse me 53 yards lasting over five minutes but right at the seven yard line Teddy led his man a little too far, and Kendricks, once again, Kendricks comes up with a key interception in the red zone, Aaron. We've been talking about that all year, how well he's played, especially, you know, in the context of such a young defense with, uh, you know, mysterious players, I guess, players that just up from the depth chart due to the the circumstances. And he's just, you know, doing what he does in the middle, getting a little bit more recognition for it now. And, Made another great interception, kind of like the week before. Same sort of deal where he just kind of read the inside and and got his hands on the ball. Kind of fell while he was doing it, didn't much of a return. But, you know, it, the guy continues to impress. And then, you know, after that, offense comes out, get a false start penalty, and, uh, you know, turns third and seven into third and 14. We eventually punt. And then Zimmer challenges, uh, you know, what was it challenges of the spot on a fourth and one he made two challenges in this game two were uh we made three challenges two that's were, right three that's right two went his way and i like the fact that he's challenging it but it's like you know some of those spots i don't know i didn't you know a quick side note is i didn't recognize the lead ref on this one i wonder if there was some covid related things and they pulled in a ref or maybe this guy had a beard that he didn't previously have or something but uh I didn't recognize him, so I was a little, you know, iffy on the refereeing. But for overall, I thought it was a pretty one, pretty good game. And, uh, you know, they go down the field, and uh, they score 7-7, a 41-yard touchdown by Anderson. That was a weird play, Chris. It's either a really great call or bad defense because once he caught the ball, there was nobody there to stop him. 
Yeah, they broke that down after. Is that what was it? Fire zone blitz, I think they call it. And and I think uh, now that I remember, I think the second uh, press conference he had, I think I think Zimmer said, you know what, that was my bad uh, because yeah, it was like whoa, 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 what. 41 yards, and Teddy had missed a deep ball. Teddy had a rough day in spots. Uh, he had some crafty-ass freaking runs like he does, though, and just plays in general. But, yeah, that was just – it seemed like that was on the Vikings' uh, defense. Zimmer, Zimmer said it. So then it's 7-7, and, and something that, you know, as much as we – it's not really complain or bitch or something. We're just being – it's not even being critical. We haven't done well in the, the fourth quarter uh, at the end of it, the last – Four minutes, let's say two minutes. But what we have done pretty much all season, a good chunk of it, I think this makes eight, eight or seven out of the 11 games now. We've managed to get some points under two minutes, got a field goal um, in the two minute drill. BB, uh, I think he had a, I think he had a false start. Uh, and then we had a delay a game, which was funky, but it felt like that they didn't start the clock. Uh, up like that or something. I remember on Twitter seeing it. I was like, I don't know about that. But one thing I do know is, and this is where Vilma came in as they're seeing the play happen. You know, I understand the defender. This is Jefferson in the end zone, probably a touchdown um, because he's got sure hands and he's trying to go back to get the ball. And sure enough, the dude's got, you know, I understand some hand play and all that. That's different. Um, That's to be expected. But in the pros, especially, how they call this stuff week in and week out for like the last 10 years or whatever in this offensive, you know, advantage type league that we have now. He's driving his shoulder pad. And yeah, he turned around, but he didn't go for the ball. Jefferson's the one going for the ball. And somehow Vilma's like, see, that's just good coverage. It's like, what? But so I don't, I don't know the false start thing. But what I do know is we got a long field goal which is not something that, you know, so the, the time management wasn't great in about two plays. We got down there good, but that was a little problem there. But 10 to 7 at half, and, and just looking at at the time, defense really wasn't getting much pressure. That improved. The cornerback play, though, I thought was pretty on point. We needed to get that run game going again like we had in that first drive. And at, at that time, the O-line was struggling pretty clear. And even looking at those first, you know, numbers or first half numbers, um, and this has been three three weeks in a row now, we've been, you know, just running enough. We talked about how you don't need 17 carries every half. Um, we, we got to 35. Cook got 11 for 35. Not great, but, hey, 35 yards, that's something, 57 overall, because Cousins had 20 yards. He's getting a little bit better. But we had 18 passes early. We were just kind of spreading the ball. We'll go back to that spreading the ball. But we did okay in the second half, I thought, on the run. Early, though, seven to six, uh, 17 to 76, 4.5 a carry. Teddy was a little off on some of those plays, 7 to 15. But overall, at half, I got to say, you know, it wasn't pretty necessarily, but it wasn't, I guess you could say, ugly. You could see, okay, this is a Vikings game. But really, the cornerback play for me stood out. Uh, it did. And, you know, go back to that play, cornerback uh, for the other team uh, with Jefferson in the end zone. Um, 
uh, all calls aside. Are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth, secure digital experiences? Then you need Ping Identity as an identity security pioneer. Ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences. I'm the Chief Identity Champion and I'm here to help. Visit pingidentity.com today. You know, mentioning Velma, you know, he seems to be a constant annoyance to Vikings fans. It's one of those mid-season uh, top talking points that seems to be going around, but yeah, it was clear hold, but yeah, one of those situations where is the ref in position, you know, he just seems like he might end up with some boxing gloves in the week. But he made a great play, but even when Jefferson and him were walking back from the play, you could tell it, uh, that corner knew he got away with something there. And that's a catch that, you know, I think Jefferson makes if he has a shoulder free. So that was the thing. But at halftime, like, like you said, we ran the ball enough to uh, be effective in play action in that first half. And I feel like I should ring some bells here or maybe a gong to open up the second half here because whatever happened in that, you know, we don't come out of the, out of the locker room very well this season. We've had a few games where uh, impending doom happened right after halftime. And I think this one takes the cake. I mean, it'd have to be right. It really would have to be. I, that, that is a great way to set it up. You know, last week, you know, we're willing to st- to give Cousins a break on that one. The first, what, eight games of his first year, you could clearly see there was a ball issue when it came to fumbles, whether they you know, lost him or not. He was putting the ball on the ground. He's gotten better the rest of that season a little. Last year, much better. This year, pretty good as far as putting the ball on the ground. He had some dumb picks, especially that Atlanta game. But um, this one, I, I feel like that's him. You know, last week, like we said, that dude – you know, that dude ended up getting fined for a, a face to, or a helmet to helmet. You know how they always review plays? Yeah, that guy had to pay a fine for helmet to helmet. It didn't get called. But this this one, you could see Cousins, sure, the pressure was coming. I mean, that's a that's just a Viking quarterback the last five, ten years or whatever. But the pressure's coming. He's about to throw it, but he, he hesitates. Smartly hesitate, right? Then you got to tuck that ball. And so I put that one on Cousins. Oh, boy, Scoop scored. And then Cook does the Adrian Peterson fumble. And, you know, he's been sure-handed except this year so far with with Cook. Hopefully, you know, running backs kind of go through times that they, you know, because they got a lot of guys on them. Speaking of that, though, this is an Adrian Peterson fumble because it's like there's a pile of dudes and three guys or four guys have them. And then one dude rips the ball up. That's what it brought back is the Adrian Peterson stuff. Peterson uh, type of thing where you're like, it's cool, Cook. Just go down, buddy. I love you. But some dude down under that pile after that play was in there trying to wrench on our guy Cook's ankle. No, I didn't see the ankle thing. That's interesting. But uh, he said it after. I didn't see it either, but he said it after. Oh, wow. Yeah. Talk about disastrous third quarter. I mean, at least the start of it, man. And, you know, you – I'm a little different than you. I, for once, I didn't think that fumble was much on Kirk, uh, simply because he couldn't. The guy had control of his arms, so he made the hit, and uh, the defender was smart enough to get a hold of his arms, and so Kirk basically couldn't do anything. It did bottle, you know, he got hit and it bounced out, but he couldn't do anything about any after that. So I guess 
you're right. He probably could have got rid of the ball a little bit quicker, but I, one of those, I think it was just a bang, bang play where I can't really put it on Kirk, although I'd love to, you know, I'd love to, but I can't. Yeah. And maybe uh, I'm going the other way, you know, maybe yeah. I'm going the other way with it. <laughs> and then the cook fumble thing. I mean, maybe the guy was wrenching on his ankle, but I, you know, I started to see a, another fake injury here and, uh, it's not only him too, but it's I'm drawing a blank as to who else I thought did that uh, on Sunday. But I don't know if that's a Viking issue or something. But I'm not going to lay that on Cook because, you know, he, he's injury prone. But I generally there's some reasons why you see him uh, hobbled on on the field. But this one was a little bit more questionable. And then they follow that up with a three and out. So we're talking about fumble, scoop and score, fumble, scoop and score, and the three and out and a punt coming out of halftime. That's not ideal uh, to say the least, but then defense comes up and uh, you know, I wanted to maybe highlight that, that in this game, I thought showed more than anything and, and maybe leading into next week's game. Uh, the, our defensive line is just not great. We're giving up. Like I said, Chris, those things that annoy me more than anything. And our listeners also know I hate eight yard first down runs. I can't stand them. I know it's just, it's terrible on a defense. And I'll harp on it until they stop doing it because uh, in the first half they gave them up and they were getting six, seven, eight a pop on first down running the ball. I don't know why they went away from the run, but uh, you know they give up. They, the offense goes down the field, uh, particularly on the run. I think there was a couple good passes in there. Score, you know, they go take a field goal and. Just as I harp on the defensive line, a defensive lineman comes up in special teams and blocks a punt, DJ Wanham, and uh, leads to the offense coming out on the field and going on a long drive. Yeah, and Teddy had one of those freaking crafty runs on that play, too, where he's like, ooh, 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 excuse me, spin move, ooh, first down. You're right. I, we, it was mostly run. They dinked and dumped, but it was after the run, too, on that stuff. Yeah, that's a good point, man. It, it, like, I don't know exactly why they did either go, you know, hang with that run a little bit more. Um, they did manage to um, the Vikes after that. So yeah, block. Okay, block. Sweet. Okay, no problem. We we end up getting a field goal on a on a 13 long drive, 13 play drive, 72 yards. Uh, good old BZ Johnson, 17 yard catch, and and there was a really nice catch from Jefferson for a first down catch. That was nice. Um, there was a moment there. Um, well, there was a third and 13 that the pocket was closing in and cousins got out. I thought Jefferson and cousins was money there, but then cousins rolled out, tried to get back behind the line and just couldn't do it. He screwed up a little bit on that, uh, past the line of scrimmage. So we did have to, you know, get a field goal. No, you know, okay. 21, 13, and then a nine-play drive, they were kind of running there, too. They had that 34-yard connection for Anderson and Teddy. Were, you know, great toss by Teddy on that one, definitely. Also, Anderson dropped a ball uh, that I think led to a third and uh, ten. Um, uh, well, Kendricks made a freaking nice tackle, I think, short of on the third and ten. That's what it was. But, I mean, it says field goal. It says 24 to 13. We're, we're down by 11. <laughs> Did that? I mean, wh- what happened there, Aaron? I mean, that ball didn't go through the goalposts. Am I just nuts? Am I living in Loserville? Am I biased? What, what's going on? Yeah, I think you could be all of those things or a combination of a couple of them. I, uh, I watched it on TV, and it kind of just passed by. You know, you're thinking, okay, here's a field goal. And, uh, 
you're so used to another team making a field goal that you don't really pay much attention to it. But as I turned my head and I saw it go, I'm like, did that go or not? But nobody said anything. The announcer didn't say anything. There you know, Vilma wasn't going to re- say anything. <laughs> There's no reaction on the field. I'm thinking, okay, that's just maybe it was the angle I was looking at it or something. But <laughs> I didn't think much of it until after the game I started seeing pictures getting posted of it. And uh, I was just like, wow, that, that kick didn't – it wasn't my eyes. That kick didn't make it over. Now – you know, everything gets checked in the booth, Chris, right? I mean, that's all scoring plays are reviewed. Is the field that's goal not a scoring just, play? Yeah, it's just, is it just touchdowns then? I mean, that's what I was thinking too, Aaron. Like, I thought all scoring – see, this is the NFL though. And you're right. All those three things that I said can still be true. But we can still be right here. It's like, what do you mean? I didn't see anybody that said no, nah, it went through. Because the funny thing is, Aaron, it didn't go high. You know the ones that are high? And they, you can't, you're like, eh, I guess that made it. No, no, no. You can see the ball. There's a still of the ball going outside the post. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say about it either. I think all of us are just kind of taken back. Like, well, okay. Like, what do you, what do you say about something like that? I'm sure there's letters to the league being sent, and I'm sure Zimmer's has a thing to say. But sure. you know, judging from the reaction on the field, you know, it's hard to see from the sideline whether something, when it's that close, whether something goes through, but. Now, I just look to see like, you know, like a like a lunar eclipse or a solar eclipse. Does the ball go? Am I seeing bar and then ball or am I seeing ball? You know, or am I not seeing any bar at all? And uh, it was a little bit over. But, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know what to say about it, except for I think we all saw the same thing. Yeah. In any way. Uh, so we're down 11 and we've been here before. Um, 1132 left in the game. I think that was the time mark. Uh, on a third and 10, Johnson had a 17-yard first down and also, to make it first and goal, had a great catch in traffic. And basically that first play, I think they had a sack. But other than that, the old line tightened up pretty much just enough or very well and gave them a little bit more time. Cousins even talked about how there's a couple plays that I normally wouldn't hold that long, but I, they gave me a little bit more time. Um, and, of course, then, you know, Jefferson took over broke some ankles, broke a tackle, and got in, got the two-point conversion as well. And now it's ball game. 24-21, we have ourselves a ball game. That route, though, and the broken tackle was money from Jefferson. Yeah, it was. And he continues to impress me every week. Like I said, we still want to pump the brakes on it. I had to write back on a few comments on Facebook. It's just like, wait a minute, he's not Randy Moss. Randy Moss had a Hall of Famer and a pro bowler to share targets with, you know, in that first year. So let's, you know, plus an offense that did nothing but throw the ball and Randall Cunningham and all those other great things. But in saying that Jefferson appears to be a a top uh, tier, we'll just say that a top tier receiver in this league uh, as a rookie. And uh, we're glad to have him. It's a nice, uh, I guess, consolation prize, if you will. I think that's probably a pretty bad term, though, because uh, I think him and Diggs are different players. But it, it's nice to be able to, to lose Diggs and fill it in uh, well enough uh, the, the year after with a, with a draft pick for the exact player that you uh, got rid of. So I'll just say it's fortunate uh, that, uh, that Jefferson fell to us. And, uh, you know... That drive, just quickly on that, like you said, that was one of the better drives I've seen. Jefferson did make the thing. We get a two-point conversion from B.C. Johnson, which, you know, 
It's nice that Chris, have you noticed, I guess I'm a little perplexed, but what I'm seeing with not having crowds in stadiums is more fourth down going for it and more two point conversions uh, around the, around the league. And I like it. Uh, I think that probably when crowds return, it'll be a little bit less, you know, just because I think some of the pressure's off, I suppose, if there's nobody there to boo you, if you make a, a mistake, but um I like seeing that uh, teams are going for it a little bit more. And I think it goes along with the book a little bit more. You want to drive it to a three-point lead instead of a, a two-point lead. But um, next up, defense holds and forces a punt. BB, uh, well, do we have to talk about it? I guess we do because it sets yeah. up the end of the game. But And it's special teams, no. so we got to talk about it. Osborne, you get rid of him because you don't like him back there uh, returning punts. You don't feel secure in it. And uh, so you put Chad Beebe, sure-handed guy, back there. And uh, he started off the game with a little bit of trouble with it, got nailed on a on a punt return there with a – the penalty was thrown, but that had to stick in his head because this time around the ball comes down and probably took his eye off it, went off his face mask and uh, bobbled around a bit. And uh, just when you thought you were back in the game, uh, this happens. And uh, what do you think at this point, Chris? I mean, oh, no, here we go again. Yeah, I'm thinking, well, you know, now we can't even have that segment, you know what I mean, <laughs> the, to sit there and once again, somehow we found a way, and this time it wasn't the offense that didn't score, you know, that that's what was going through my head, just like, here we go again, bounce right off his pads, like, it was just, it was horrendous, but luckily Teddy didn't have, you know, we love some Teddy over on this podcast, but luckily he didn't have his greatest day because he missed um, and we did get more pressure in the second half on him, but he missed a, a touchdown toss there in the end zone. They had to settle for a field goal. But, yeah, man, I really did think, you know, we were screwed. Like, are you kidding me? So now we, we're setting this all up. We're coming back. We even get the two-point conversion. And then that, I thought for sure it was over. But luckily for us, they freaking – you know, Teddy missed the guy, and, and they also had some weird play calling. And next thing you know, it's a field goal. We got plenty of time left. No timeouts, but when you have a buck something left, we're good to go. That's fine. That's plenty of time. Um, and then, you know, the the game-winning drive, as, as it turns out, uh, happened. And it's something that, like I said, we've been talking about many times, but we really had to break it down last week. And finally, it happened, Aaron. It did. And I have to say, I was pessimistic. I was laughing at the the way the, the second half had gone as far as uh, ball security issues. And uh, it just didn't seem like things were going our way. It kind of lost a little bit of interest thinking, okay, well, this is, we don't perform well in this uh, situation. And uh, a different Kirk Cousins took the field. Um and I'm not sure what led to that or not, but uh, I hope it continues. Um, he, you know, he seemed motivated. He seemed like uh, everything you wanted to see and you've just been sitting there shaking your head that you'll never see from Kirk. Uh, you did see it. Now, you know, he's Kirk Cousins. It's going to be up and down. So let's let's not get too excited. But for this game and this drive and it, particularly after what we had talked about the week before. It was very nice to see. And uh, leads them down the field. And redemption, man. I mean, 
Right when you're hating Chad, BB. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. He goes and finds himself open in the end zone. Quick little juke and inside. Cousins throws a great pass, brings him up off his feet, and, and down comes BB with the ball. Makes it 27-28 at that point. You're up by one, but Chris, there's 43 seconds on the clock. Deep ball right off the bat, too. Deep ball right off the bat. You know, just like, no, no problem. You know, the defense, we cannot sit there and rip them much at all last time they 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 only gave up 13 points for Christ's sakes um but it's just like us this year um just deep ball right away but you know we talked about it last week how it's all purpose it's not just cousins isn't isn't capable or or we talked about how it's everyone in the a couple of nice catches Rudolph made a great catch uh the line gave him enough time to it's all purpose because when you say he's not consistent you're talking about in big games against good teams, but yes. then our offensive line isn't either. It pretty much sucks. And the last three or four games, we've had to pass to run. So we haven't had that buck 30 yard uh, run or, you know, rushes from, from cook. So when you say consistency though, if in the six years he started, he's a very consistent overall quarterback. We just, you know, differ on a variety of things. Um, but when you say, when you, when you say that time left, and, and just seeing the deep ball right off the bat, it's like, okay, it's going to be, you know, they got time, of course. They don't have timeouts. Oh, 40-whatever-yard bomb. But luckily, it was a long-ass field goal. What, what was going through your head there? Like you said, normally field goals go through. But 56, I kind of felt like this is in my head somewhere, maybe just um, a lost living in Loserville fan, delusional at that point, saying, you know what? This is the time. It's too far. Finally, we this goes our way at the end of the game. I was still pissed, Chris, because it brought me back to Seattle, uh, giving up, what, a 20-29 yard run to Russell Wilson on first mm. down in that same or similar situation. And then you go ahead, first play, you just, okay, defense, all you got to do is hold, and boom, 32-yard bomb. You're like, okay, well, that made up a lot of time. You, you know, they need 15 more yards to get in field goal range and that's exactly what they did and yeah so as far as the kick goes chris i had to, i thought he was going to make it just because of you know sure. living in loserville i mean it was a 70 yard field goal i thought he'd probably have a good chance of making <laughs> right. it at that point but he sure as hell didn't make it apparently his foot got caught or something i don't know where they found this guy but uh he, you know he, he sh- shanking that is an understatement yeah and maybe you know the fact that he he knew deep down he didn't make one earlier. He got one blocked. Maybe finally we were in his head, um, which is probably not true. But either way, they got the job done, 28 to 27. When you look all purpose, uh, no feeling. Okay, no feeling. 
I mean, seven catches for four different receivers. Um, that has only been done four times. Um, not this season, four times in general. And it's only the second time where those other guys, here it is, the Vikings became the second team in NFL history to have four players with seven-plus catches and 60 receiving yards in there. So talk about spreading the ball around. That's exactly what happened in that game. And we finally won a close one like this again. We've had some heartbreakers. If you look at the 2020, dude, and Eric Smith on Twitter, you know, he, he really broke this down out of the 11 games, the roller coaster ride that is the 2020 Vikes. Uh, seven out of the 11 games decided by eight points or less. We know how many tough teams we faced, but we lost by one to Tennessee, one by eight against Houston, lost by one against Seattle, one uh, by six against Green Bay, one by six against Chicago, lost by three at Dallas, as we know, and then finally got the job done one by one point. It's just nice to get that W because it's, you know, it's it's just needed. And, and we came all together as, a, well, I, I guess special teams or whatever. But, you know, they did some good stuff earlier or whatever. But it's just nice to get the W. It's always nice to get the W. And this offense in the red zone is the best right now. If you marker about four or five different stats rather than just one or whatever Um, in fourth quarter touchdowns. Yeah. Four of them, you know, when you break them down four, when we talk about garbage time, four of them and that, but 11, we're still, we're leading the league. It's not like we're the only one that ever had a garbage touchdown, but we're, we're putting up points and touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And that's really why we've been in some of these games too, but it's just nice that the offense Got their head out of their ass after those back-to-back plays. The defense was fairly steady. Sure, they gave up some big plays. We know they're going to, but they were damn good. And like I said, the last two drives, the offensive line really stood up and gave Kirk that extra beat to complete a pass. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff, I agree with you completely. So now we're going to introduce a new segment on the show it's going to pop up from time to time we're not going to say it's going to happen every week but we're going to call it knock on wood it's a knock on wood statement we'll call it and uh this will just basically tell you you know things that you wish would happen that didn't happen or things that you hope don't happen that that eventually uh you don't want them to see them happen and i just thought we'd take a second here or a minute you know we got a little bit of extra time due to the lack of gophers and uh talk about uh, where we are right now chris with a player cam dantzler now High hopes coming out of training camp, uh, seemed to be an aggressive corner, had all the physicals, maybe a little skinny, but had a nickname, The Needle, uh, and we all had really high hopes for the kid, and as I'm watching him, he's just getting back into action now. Um, I'm finding a few concerns. There's some positives there. Great tackler, gets outside on plays, uh, but he's had some ups and downs and particularly highlighted downs uh, season. He made a bad play in Seattle that thought maybe he misjudged a ball on, but my particular concern with him before I pass it to you is I'm not seeing aggressive plays on the ball, which kind of frightens me. It's not like he's lost, but it's almost like he doesn't want to mess up. Uh, I guess that could be something you could see from a rookie, but it's not what you thought you drafted, especially when you see guys like AJ Terrell in Atlanta making plays on the ball. A little bit timid uh, except for tackling. And uh, you know, you haven't seen him miss a lot of tackles. So he's solid against the run. 
But as far as his pass coverage, I'm seeing a lot of like errors in that down on the goal line twice now this season. And uh, just not making plays on the ball. He's 6'2". He's long enough. Uh, you want to see him up in the air fighting for 50-50 balls. So, Chris, I'm just wondering, what have you noticed? What have you seen? Do you have any thoughts at all on the play of Cam Dancer at this point in the season? You know, he just got back in there, so it's kind of hard to to break down. We talked about this uh, segment. I wasn't, I didn't know we'd necessarily bring it out just yet, but I do like that you're doing it because, like you said, we got some extra time. So, you know, he just got back in the lineup not long ago, so I don't really have a lot more to say than you just did. Uh, but off the top of my head, um, the knock on wood for me would be knock on wood that Adam Thielen returns from COVID. Um, that would be my knock on wood. Um, and also Irv Smith, where it doesn't really look great right now. It's Tuesday, so it's plenty of time. Um, I mean, we thought, you know, Thielen was probably going to play. And all of a sudden, you know, he, he got a positive, false positive, whatever the hell it was. Um, and now he had to sit out. So my knock on wood is is Irv Smith groin. Knock on wood that it's going to be okay for even if he missed another game to get him back again against a, a tough team or a more tougher team. Those are kind of my uh, two knock on woods uh, part of the new segment. Yeah, I mean, those are great, too. And obviously, yeah, that's mysterious with Thielen because was it a positive? Was it a false positive? Well, he definitely had a positive, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, and how long is that going to is going to keep him out? I mean, if, I feel like he'll be back this week, but you haven't heard anything about it. And Irv Smith, of course, but groin injuries are groin injuries, and the fact that he heard it, uh, celebrating a touchdown doesn't help at all either. But you know, at least he scored the touchdown. But yeah, um, like I said, my knock on wood was just that uh, we see some improvement from Cam Dantzler, and and uh, for the rest of the, I just want to see him try to make plays on the ball. Is all I'm saying is, you know, he's never really yeah. in the air, you know, swatting passes and like you said he's just coming back now from what looked like a pretty big hit in green bay so we'll see how that goes coming up in the future here yeah i mean he's definitely shown some glimpses but yeah he, he's gotten lost like you said on some plays where you're like oh where, where are you going dude where are you going um it's tough to judge him now it's like all the way uh speaking of a positive judge <laughs> i guess you could say if dj want him though if you look at you know most pressures, QB pressures by rookies. You know, you have Chase Young, stud, he's got 18. Derek Brown out of Alabama or Auburn, 17. Uh, Kinlaw, 49ers, 15. So tied for third is our guy, DJ Wanham, 15. And, you know, can he be basically a three? I think that he's good at rushing the passer. I don't know where he's at totally with the run just yet. And leading in, you know, till next year, but you can envision Aaron, you know, our guy Hunter on the edge. And can you see, you know, maybe DJ being a maybe I mean, no matter what, I think they're down, but you know, can he develop into a you know a three down player? That would be phenomenal. But it kind of makes me it feels like seeing what he's done, DJ, since he's been in, it kind of made me feel like they were okay with making that. A trade in the long run, you know, when they traded the guy that we traded, you know, when Hunter was hurt. You talk about a guy getting pressed into action. I'm not sure that they actually wanted to have him go get all this time this season, but I think they had a lot of faith in Odenic, but, 
be the other side of Hunter coming into the season, but uh, he's impressed. And I think he's somebody that you're going to see years to come. Can he be the other, the other end uh, for Daniel Hunter? I think he can, because I think he rushes in a different way, more speed, uh, more agility. He's good enough against the run, I think, but his pass rush skills are definitely there. Uh, and for being the only real pass rush threat we have on this line this season, um, his numbers are adequate. You know, if he was a sensational player, he'd probably have a couple more sacks. But uh, he seems to be able to hold down being the only one on the defensive line. So if you give him a little help with with Pierce coming back and and uh, Daniil hopefully coming back and actually signing and playing. Uh, he, I'm very confident that I think he can hold down that other part of the line, you know, and he's an interesting player because of the speed and agility. It's not, he's not like Everson was. Everson was pure speed. This guy still, you know, Wanham still has uh, strength, a bull rush and all those other things that maybe uh, Everson didn't have and uh, maybe a little bit taller too. So I'm really positive on, on uh, DJ Wanham and I think he'll be a player on this defense for, at least two to three years to come. Yeah, it does feel that way. And it and Hunter, what was he a fourth round pick, third round pick, whatever he was. So they've been able to get these guys and we wanted to see some progress on the defensive line. Maybe <clears throat> it doesn't always add up to a bunch of pressures or hits, but still, I mean, that that's impressive. Like you said, we weren't even really thinking that he was going to be, uh, like you said, playing potentially. So that that's, that's positive. Um, as far as, oh, another thing about Cousins, he, first of all, if we're going to be critical, we got to say, you know, what's what two games was clearly bad, poor games, week two and week six, just poor, especially week six with those two picks, which is just ugly. But, you know, there are a couple of things that we've asked him since, you know, to, to change or, or move or whatever. Well, one of them's move scramble. Uh, that type of thing. And, and I got to start highlighting some of that because he has scrambled a little bit more. Not not like he's a running quarterback, but he's moving in the pocket just a tad better. And another thing, a lot of people say the dink and dump. And it's I understand you can say it, but the thing about analytics is there's a lot of people that keep track of stuff now that they didn't. He's, he's clearly not a dink and dump. I mean, right now, after this week, not in one week, the whole season, and really his whole career, you know, he's compl- like, it comes down to, you know, longest attempt per attempt. That's one thing, right? We run a lot. You can throw it deep. That makes up for it. But they also keep track of air attempts. You know, not only is he number one in yards per attempt, but as far as air yards, he's number one in as well. Um, and then even, you know, a lot of people like to rip them on certain stats right and then i st- i use the same database and and people don't like to accept it and, and a lot of this really is a rant towards some of these facebook people that you're just like dude the team lost it's not every time but he's also you know he, he's also the sixth most pressured quarterback in the league that's straight up pressers when we throw the balls to the second least because uh, jackson and baltimore they throw the ball less than us and, and literally, it breaks down like this: percentage of throw under seven air yards. So we'll go the whole way with the air yards. We are the 29th, 49% of those seven under seven air yards. We are 29th in the league in that 
flip that around to percentage of throws traveling 20 yards in the air, percentage-wise, we are second behind Green Bay. So that whole dink and dump thing, I don't know how it got started. Maybe because our screen game in the middle of the season started pumping up, but that's just it's just not actually true. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because I myself have been incredibly critical on air and, and particularly off air of Kirk Cousins. And I th- I think I, without bringing up a whole new subject, but I think there's two cousins that uh, you know two separate sides of him that that I notice. Uh, there's the one that he showed. Uh, on Sunday, which if bottle that one, if you can bottle and sell that, you got a product. That is something there. You like you said, moving around more in the pocket, uh, running the ball a little bit more when he sees an opening. You know, everybody knows he's not the fastest guy in the world, but you can see he can pick up 10, 15 yards if he's got an opening to do it and he's aware of it. And then just throwing darts down the field. Now we know he's good in play action. We know he's good in rollouts. Uh, that's what I want to see him doing more of screen passes, things like that. Um, I like that cousins. I think that's that cousins. There is a top 12 quarterback in the league as far as efficiency goes. Uh, the other well, cousins, efficiency because he's much higher in efficiency, but I know what you mean. Okay. And then that's the, the other cousins, the, the timid, the, and like you said, a lot of that could be offensive line. A lot of that might be some other th- factors that you can put in there. And I don't want to sit and dump on the on the other cousins, but the other cousins is the one that I think people talk about the dink and dunk. And you know, uh, checkdowns basically is what uh, I see. I'm not really seeing you know him turning down 40 uh, yard bombs for 10 yard outs. I'm not seeing a lot of that. What I'm seeing is pockets collapsing. I need a check down or a quick pass, and he'll do that. Now, what I think has changed, and I hope this is what's changed in him, and I just want to go on a limb and say this, but I think some sort of pocket awareness now. Either he knows where guys are going to be coming from or he knows he has a better feel for it because I think that's changed uh, in the last two games. His ability to know that a rush is coming, still get the ball off and, and, and find a place to plant and throw the ball or run it or make a decision there. Now, um, I will praise him for the last two games, um, but I'm not quite off of the criticism yet. If he continues to do this for a couple more games and plays solid, I think I will because that means that he's you know created a new pattern. But um, I'm still on the wait and see because, you know, whether it's the every four-game theory like you have, have put out there or just the way he is, it tends to be, um, you just still don't really know what's going to walk on the field on Sunday. And, you know, you, you never really do with a quarterback, but you have a general idea. And I think with Kirk, it could, it could be so good and uh, it's been better than it was on Sunday and it can be so bad. It's been worse than it was that, that day in Chicago. So you, there's a large, uh, a large, uh, I don't know, sample size, I guess of, what cousins can be on any given Sunday. And I guess I just like to see that more come to the medium there where it's a more average, something you can depend on and count on uh, for the season. Long wind of saying long winded way of saying, I like what I'm seeing, but I'm still going to hold on to some of that criticism until I see it done a little bit longer. A couple of follow up things. Let's bottle up the whole offense on those drives too, not just cousins. Cause once again, he got that extra beat like he talked about. So he could step up and throw it instead of being like, Oh shit, I either got to throw it away 
or I'm getting hit when I throw, or I just duck down and get hit or whatever. So we got to bottle up the offensive line, and every three years, we haven't even produced a mediocre line for them. Like, go back to the debate of when you see the last four teams left, who has a very mediocre to sometimes just flat-out poor passing offense? We're talking about all these numbers. Right now, we're still 26th when it comes to that in, in, in pass protect. So it's it's a you know we got to bottle it all up once again it's not on cousins but red zone offense in general cook is a big part of it the offensive line it seems like they have problems with short yardage but kind of you know they're not the best running team but cook you know makes it even better on that but red zone vikings and cousins in the red zone i mean he's 17 touchdowns no picks which is first 47% touchdown rate for the Vikings, which is first, or actually not for the Vikings, for him. Um, And the the Vikings are number one right now in red zone. Um, And the guy's second in completions down there, too. Like, between the Vikings, what Cook brings this year, especially in the red zone, and some of these little little plays he makes that you go, oh, man, that's worth it. But back to Zimmer, Zimmer's time here when we're talking about throwing the ball – Today, as, as Sunday, I read the, the, the tweet from Dustin Baker, uh, was the first game in the Zimmer era where the Vikings threw the football 45-plus times and won the game. Before that, they were 0-6-1, and we know that one was the tie in overtime. And you can't put that on Cousins because he tied the game at the end. And remember, we missed two field goals in friggin' overtime. So, um... You know, it's kind of a combination. I just think this is a really good, as long as the line continues, this is a really good system for it because it does take more shots. Sure, we complained about some of them on on fourth and sixth. Does it have to be a deep ball or third and four? Does it have to be a deep ball? But they're kind of blended all together. We are at the 52-minute point, so let's, because we, we got plenty of time to, you know, throw uh, the time frame here to talk about it you know, other stuff, but this is, uh, have been some fun segments, no doubt. Now, Aaron, fight. Trap game. Trap game. Exactly. Trap game. And this is a knock on wood right here. When you look at it, when you really look at, okay, next week is going to be a really, the week after Tampa, and that's, you know, we can, uh, Arizona lost. And then if we could somehow beat Tampa and all this stuff, but then you're looking right at the Jaguars who's lost. You know, I'm looking at it. Just on the first last five, they lost all five games. Um, is you know this isn't like college football, you know, where you just have talent on people and you're like, uh, I might be ugly, but we'll get it over, or you know, we'll get over the line. They're averaging only 20 points a game, not even 21. Um, they're giving up almost 30 a game. Uh, they give up a decent amount of rushing in passing. Everything lines up, and we can talk about, oh, their defense sucks. I hear you, but the last team we played didn't have a great defense, and we got nine hits on the quarterback there. I shouldn't say we did. They got nine hits on Kirk. So, you know, you go, huh. It, like you said, is this a freaking trap game? Uh, it is a trap game for the reason of trying to get back to 500. And I'm going to point out a couple components here, man. They might have a bad defense, but they got a good defensive line. And that's always a problem for us. And uh, there's one player here that I think the whole game's going to swing on. Like we mentioned earlier, eight-yard runs on, on first down. 
those are different kind of backs. But this James Robinson guy, he come out of a small school, talented runner. Um, I've watched him, one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, number 30 for Jacksonville. This guy can run the football, and they've got a decent enough offensive line, and the state of our defensive line is not that good. So this is a recipe for a game that everybody thinks we're going to win, but you hold on a second, pump the brakes, because this is a combination of of, uh, players that we have a hard time stopping. And if you can't stop the run, these guys are going to continue to run it, and they're not going to give up on it like Carolina did. Uh, and so it could be a long day for our defense and everybody's just looking ahead and looking ahead, but this one's not a give me, this is going to be a tough game to win here. Uh, just on the fronts, Chris, I mean, I'm seeing meat and potatoes. Are you seeing it? Like I'm seeing it's, it's not just a walk in the park here. No, in Vegas, I'm talking about a walk in the park, nine and a half points. I mean, when the hell is the last time that the Viking, well, I suppose last season they were but definitely not this season and definitely not two years ago. Um, nine and a half points. That's that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points in the NFL regardless, let alone. Um, and, and I think you hit it. I think you hit it right on the button there. It's, it's a defensive line. We could sit there and say, oh, this, oh, that. Yeah, okay. But we saw once, oh, boy, left the field, all of a sudden we could run the ball against Chicago. And they had a pretty garbage, probably the worst, you know, offense we'll see this year if this is second or third. But that, you know, that does. And then if Cleveland's not back as well, you know, you start to go, well, shit. You know, he he seemed like he was a little bit better than what we've been putting over the last couple of years. But, yeah, it's got me shook. Um, Not shook enough. But I wouldn't put – I wouldn't touch this thing with the 15-foot pole – even with an extension that went to four, four, four more feet, I wouldn't bet on it. But I am going with kind of a weird 26-23, actually 26-23 yeah, Viking victory. But, man, oh, man, this is classic track game. Yeah, uh, this one is almost a hard, is hard to call is uh, the one, you know, it's a tough game to call. Like you said, I wouldn't touch this. My money's... Going nowhere near this game. Um, for the reasons that we pointed out earlier, and you know, here I am vacillating right now because I kind of know the score is going to be in the same ballpark as, as what you got. I got 23 17, but I can't decide if we're going to win or lose this thing. Uh, it'll be close. It's probably going to be a grinded out game. Turnovers are huge. Got to hang on to the ball. Um, I'm going to say we lose this one uh, just because of. Loserville and home game and 500 and 2020 perfectly not knowing who's coming back and who's not. I mean, Thielen Smith, uh, ankles is ankle good. Uh, you know, there's a lot of variables as far as who's going to play. Um, this could go either way, but I'm going to go with the loss on this just because, uh, yeah, I got a feeling I got a hunch. And I'm just going to go ahead and just put the big jinx on us right now. This comes from Dominic Clare. If this happens, the following week, the Vikings play the Bucks. If they win, oh my God, let's get all excited. They could be the they'll they'll be the succeed because you know the Bucks Cardinals thing, um, and that's with A's you know Arizona um, losing to the Rams too. We're the seventh seed. Oh my God, all this stuff. We could be the seventh or sixth after the Tampa game. Yeah, but you know, calm down. A little bit 
I'll say this, though, as far as getting after the quarterback, uh, to Jacksonville last uh, – or they, they actually just broke in to double j- digits for sacks. So they don't necessarily get after the quarterback. But as you said, if we're losing g- yards in the running game or getting one or two a pop on first down, a lot of people look better on third and nine, third and ten, um, you know, in those scenarios. So Yeah, and on the other side, on the other side, if they're giving up eight yards on first down because because uh, of a good running back and a decent offensive line, that's not good for the for our defense either. So you know, time the recipe for disaster is there. Time of possession, field position, which has been a rough thing mostly all the season, even when we win the damn game. Um, yeah, we'll see, man. And, and the Gophers are canceled another game because they had another wave. Of, of tests come through. It comes out here, Gophers football. We usually end on a Gophers segment. 15 additional positive tests for COVID. Eight players, seven staff members. Um, in the total, confirmed cases. This is just confirmed. 20 players, 20 staff. So that just lines up on, you know what? We need to shut down for another week. Other teams did it, and now they're okay. Well, you, you have two more games left because of championship week. But, um some teams have gotten hit worse than others. Sometimes it's not as bad, but the key starter, it seemed like earlier in the year it was the key starters that were getting hit, not necessarily the whole team. Now it's kind of a combination. So um, if we didn't think this was a wash, which we did, um, for the Gophers, now it, this makes it official, Aaron. Yeah, it really does. You lose the Wisconsin game. That's the big one every year, and it was actually starting to take some national hold uh, is a game that would probably be a big deal for a while, and uh, it slows some momentum there, and it, it slows the momentum of a lot of things. But, I mean, it's 2020. It's COVID. It's, yeah. it's all the things combined. What can you say? Yeah, exactly. It is what it is. And one more note here. This happened a little, I think, Thursday or something like that after we did the show. Happy 55th birthday to the Pro Football Hall of Fame receiver CC Chris Carter over his 16 seasons in the NFL, mostly spent with the Vikes, of course, eight-time Pro Bowler, uh, and you know fourth most still fourth most career receiving TDs because all he does is catch touchdowns, and the sixth most most excuse me career receptions, um, 1101. Um, and I was at the game where he passed a thousand. It was pretty dope. So, yeah, Chris Carter, right back at you, buddy. Thank you very much. He actually gave some wise wisdom. I mean, to a lot of people, including Moss, that when we drafted him, but to Jefferson as well. He took him to the side and stuff like that. And now he's been kind of contacting here and there on the low. But you know, we'll, we'll see if the off season maybe he can get some work with Carter because we know he's got the drills. Him and Jerry Rice have the miracle drills. Um. All right. Anything else before we shut this puppy down, sir? No, I guess we'll say look for the shows on Spricker and uh, follow us on Instagram at Living in Loserville Podcast. And uh, let's hope for a win, uh, but it'll be a tough one on Sunday. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. 
Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.